are listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host for the week, Trisha Brown, and this is episode number 446.5. Welcome to a new year, everybody. I know, I get it. I feel like we've kind of reached the part of the new year where the novelty has worn off and people don't really want to hear it anymore. And in a lot of places, things are very cold and dark. But my birthday was this week, so I am still kind of in a new year mindset, and I'm dragging all of you along with me. But Regardless of how you are feeling about the new year, or whether your birthday is in January or July or October or whatever, you are still probably pro-books, because otherwise it would be weird for you to be listening to this podcast. So let's talk about a couple of great books. I went with a couple of mystery-slash-crime-slash-heisty reads today, because I thought both of these books are quick and compelling reads. So in case you are trying to read a little more in 2024... These are books that would make that goal easy. We are going to talk about retired women solving crimes and college students committing crimes after we take just a quick break. Okay, as promised, let's talk about crimes. First up for us this week is Killers of a Certain Age by Deanna Rayborn. This is a book about four women who are all roughly the age of 60, hence the certain age in the title. They have all spent the last 40 years working as professional assassins for a secretive agency known only as the Museum. They only take out bad guys, weapon smugglers, human traffickers, that kind of thing. So it's not like they're just assassins for hire for who anybody wants them. It's, you know, meant to be a positive mission, I guess, as much as that can happen for assassins. Anyway, they have reached an age where they're being pushed into retirement, which they're very bummed about, but as a send off, the agency, the museum, is sending them on a luxury cruise. It seems very nice. There's, like, fresh fruit and drinks and a, you know, cruise person for everybody who's on the cruise. It sounds lovely, and it is, until they spot another agency assassin from the museum on the cruise and realize that they are actually being targeted themselves, almost certainly, by the museum. They are obviously not thrilled about that, and the rest of the book is about them figuring out how to stay alive, but also sorting out who is trying to kill them and why. The book is largely told from the perspective of one of these women, Billy, although we do get to know each of the characters, and each of them has her own personality, her own skills, her own concerns, you know, beyond just staying alive. For example, one of them is still reeling from the loss of her spouse. Another is trying to figure out how she's going to explain all of this to her wife, given that her wife has no idea that she's a secret assassin. And Billy is a workaholic who's just sort of trying to figure out who she is outside of the job, because she's kind of lived for the job. And even if she wasn't being retired, she almost certainly can't try to, like, go back or do freelance work for an organization that's trying to kill her. So she's in a little bit of a tough spot. There are also occasional flashbacks to the beginning or the early parts of these women's careers and how they ended up doing this work. I think it fills out the story and the character development a bit. It also is a way to see how their relationships with each other developed, which is a lot of fun because you see how they're working together now, 40 years later. That kind of flashback is a mechanism that doesn't always work for me in books, but I really liked it here. And I just thought Killers of a Certain Age was very fun and capery. In some cases, we as readers understand sort of the full plan as they're going to something. In others, you don't really get it until it's entirely completed and you, you know, hear them kind of doing the debrief. But to me, it always felt like the right amount of information 
to allow me to both feel like I was in on it and engaged with it, but also, you know, get a little bit of a surprise. The stakes in this one are high, obviously, but it never felt to me like they were outmatched or outnumbered. It, it never felt like they didn't have the skill or the training to keep themselves alive, which for me meant that it wasn't a stressful read, though I did find it incredibly compelling. It's fun. It's funny. It is also violent, to be fair. And it's just, I felt like it was a great book to read over the course of an afternoon or a weekend, you know, when the weather is gross and you just want to curl up with a book and do nothing. Ooh, also a fun game to play while you're reading is to decide who you would cast in a movie adaptation. I really enjoyed that part of that. Let me know what you decide. So the women and killers of a certain age are badass professionals, but the thieves in our next book, which is Portrait of a Thief by Grace D. Lee, are decidedly not professionals and are far more reluctant to be finding themselves in the criminal underworld. So the premise of this one is that an art history student at Harvard named Will is recruited to put together a team to steal back five pieces of art. So it's five of 12 bronze zodiac heads that are all in Western museums 200 years after they were stolen from China. There is a Chinese organization that has offered to pay Will and his team a total of $50 million if they can return all five pieces. Will is all in for a variety of reasons. And he recruits his sister, who is kind of a con artist, her roommate, who is a street racer, who also serves as a getaway driver. Think Fast and Furious. He recruits an old friend who he went out with a couple of times. She is a Silicon Valley whiz kid who's meant to serve as the hacker of the group. And lastly, Will's childhood best friend, Daniel, who just happens to know a ton about art theft since his father is an FBI expert in it, specifically an expert on Chinese art theft. And yes, that does get incredibly complicated. So all five participants in this heist are college juniors or seniors or that age. In one case, Alex, who's the Silicon Valley person, has left college and gone to Silicon Valley to make money. But regardless, they are remarkably young for what they're trying to do. At least they seem that way to me. I mean, come on. Danny Ocean was at least 40 when Ocean's 11, trying to rob three casinos in one heist. These are five people who are trying to rob five museums across five countries and have basically no experience. Although I do actually also think that this would be a great movie, so... Feel free to fan cast this one as well. All right. Anyway, they are almost all first generation Americans whose parents migrated from China, though one of them, Daniel, who I mentioned, whose father is the FBI agent, was born in China. But all five of them have really complicated relationships with China and with what their heritage means for their lives and their identities and their families. And that plays a really major role for each of them in the how and why and whether they decide to take on the heist and how they approach it. Like I mentioned, they all have special skills, but they're also all amateurs. And unlike the first book we talked about, their skills don't necessarily add up to clear success. They're driven, at least Will for sure is, but they're starting from scratch in terms of how a real plan goes. The structure of this book also really worked for me. The chapters are short and they rotate to be from each of the five different characters' perspectives. Um, each of them is at a different sort of life crossroads. So the way that their personal struggles overlap with their heist planning added, I thought, a really interesting dimension to the book. And especially the way that they relate to and with each other was really well done. 
it's incredibly compelling to see the way that these relationships, both the building of them, but also the fraying of them, develops over time. There are definitely twists and turns in this one. All I will say is that things don't always go according to plan. But I felt like it came together in a really satisfying way. I actually read this one mostly on a plane. It was a cross-country flight, so I had plenty of time. Also, we got stuck on a tarmac for like three hours. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I think it would be a great plane read. Actually, I think either of these would be great plane reads or beach reads or, you know, however you want to read them. Read them however and whenever you like here in January, maybe in a different month. As we said, everybody's just like figuring themselves out now in 2024. So do you want, but I liked both of these books a lot. And that is all I will talk with you about today. Thank you, as always, to our sponsor. A huge thanks as well to our audio editor, Caitlin Brame. And thank you, of course, for listening. For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. You'll be amazed what pops up. You can find both of the books that I mentioned today in the show notes by re- visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. They might actually just be right there in your podcatcher as well. Remember, if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist and you want to show a little love, please leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We sincerely appreciate your review and it does help other book lovers find us. If you want to find me in particular, you can find me mostly on Instagram at warbluesky at Trisha Haley Brown. And until we talk again, no matter what you're doing early in 2024, please take good care and happy reading.